Welcome to Make the Shift Podcast, where I'll be giving you the roadmap and inspiration you want and need to scale your life's work with digital courses and schools. I'm your host, Destiny Berman, course marketer and digital strategist. Are you ready to make the shift and reinvent your work online? Let's go. Welcome back to Make the Shift. Today, we are going to talk about readiness and fear. Because let's face it, as business owners and individuals, we all get held back by fear, whether we realize it or not. It may be because we don't feel 100% ready. And so we let ourselves get distracted by things that won't make a difference or won't have as much impact on our business and our lives. So here's the deal. You're never going to be 100% ready. This is true for established business owners, for successful online entrepreneurs who've generated great results with their courses and programs. So in today's episode, I want to look at what's behind the fear of keeping you from moving forward. And you're going to hear me coach and work with the business owner directly on her fears and self-doubt so that we can break through the limitations and plateaus that are in your way. Here we go. Let's kick off with talking about readiness and perfection. In terms of readiness versus when I'm taking a look at perfection versus progress versus sloppy, (laughs) that is essentially the distinction that I'm looking at because a lot of folks, most folks that we know are ready, right? Now, we don't want to put something sloppy. We're not looking at just throwing something out there that's half-baked. That's not what we're referring to. And most folks that come to us, have either had a business, even though they're transitioning professionals, they have been in trainings, they've been developing their skill sets, they have a sense of what they want to do. It's just more about how do we package this and how do we unlock it in a way that actually turns into a business. And I think that one of the, one of the signals in terms of not feeling ready is that some of us know that we're business owners and some of us are wearing that entrepreneurial cap. And the other group is not quite ready to own and claim that because they feel like, well, I'm still a student. I'm still in training. And yet we come across and we meet so many wisdom keepers that I don't think that's the case. So I'm going to invite you to look at this for yourself. If you're expecting to feel 100% ready before you take on this process, that's likely never going to happen. I mean, even when I'm working with seven-figure entrepreneurs that already have a seven-figure offline business, they do not feel ready even when they're looking at launching a digital program, period. Because they think about the tech, they think about all the emails, they don't know how to hold a webinar, they never feel ready. So if you're waiting to feel 100% ready, I don't think that's ever going to happen. You know, I didn't feel ready when I made the transition from consulting to teaching my own products. So the question becomes, on the progress scale, if you feel like, okay, what I'm about to pull together feels sloppy, then I would say you're probably still in the earlier trying to figure it out. Most of the time, and I mean like 85% of the time when we really dig into it, it's more about, it's not about the sloppiness, at least not the folks that we come across. It's more about how much progress can you make so that I can start to get this out there and to go through this birthing process. Where do you feel you are in the progress scale of like one to 10? 10 is like, okay, you know, I can feel really, really good about what I'm putting out there. Seven, eight is like, I'm, you know, I'm getting there. 
And if you're more like one to two, maybe that's going to fall towards a really, really raw, potentially more sloppy. But it's like, how, like, where are you in the progress taking action, feeling like I can take this on? Now, being ready is not knowing everything you need to know. Being ready is trusting the unknown, trusting the process, and yet also feeling like, okay, I can take this on and I know I can figure it out. And that's, that's the launch mindset. Like that's, the successful launch mindset is to know that no matter what shows up, I can figure out the next step using data, using my resources, that I have all the resources within me, even if I'm tapping into teams and support and know-how so that I can move forward and figure out the next step, even if I can't see the full plan right now. You know, when I left, when I left working at companies, I did not know what I was going to do. I did not know how I was going to replace the income I was already making and earning and that that deeper knowing within me was guiding me. Thankfully, it all worked out. It doesn't mean that there weren't roller coasters. It doesn't mean that I wasn't afraid. It doesn't mean that I did not that I had a lot of unknowns facing me. And thankfully, I had a really good supportive community. My husband was very supportive. And same thing when I made the leap from services to leading my own programs. I did not know how that was going to go because I wasn't building my audience quietly in the background. I was so busy doing consulting. I had a waiting list of clients. And then when I made that shift, I had no idea where where it was going to go and unravel. You know, am I am I looking to take the business to the next level? Of course. And every time I take it to the next level, I'm always wanting to grow it to the next level and the next level after that. And every time I do that, there's unknowns and uncertainty, and it's about trusting the process step by step. And maybe you are in that 10 to 15% where you're not quite ready. But most of us, if you're here, you're ready. And I'm just going to probably push you a bit in terms of either moving up launch dates and taking, taking this on. The fear will always come up. Doesn't matter how many times you've launched. I have seen this countless, countless times over the last six years. You could have had a seven-figure launch. The next time you launch, the fear will come up. The uncertainty will come up. Because just because it's been done before doesn't mean it's going to be done again. And just because you didn't have as big of a launch before does not mean that is the case. So no matter how many times you launch, no matter how many times you grow or didn't grow, the fear will always come up. So know to expect that. And if if the game is to work, is to do this in a way where you don't feel the fear, we're going to lose that game because fear will always come up. This is with six-figure entrepreneurs, seven-figure entrepreneurs, eight-figure entrepreneurs. It doesn't matter. That's not the game. The game is I expect the fear to come up. I expect the self-doubt to come up. And I'm willing to shift in that moment what I want to focus on, that this is my path, this is my calling, and I'm going to take this on. And whether it's reaching out for support, whether it's centering yourself and looking at the data, whether it's going back to your toolkit of practices that will keep you clear This is our job as an entrepreneur. This is our role as an entrepreneur to keep moving forward. But to know that the fear, the fear will always come out. The self-doubt will always come up. I was just talking with a longtime client, well, I guess ex-client yesterday over text. And she is heading into a big launch. And she said, wow, I still feel all the questioning that comes up. That's just always to be expected. All right. Who wants to share or question? Could be a question about your offer, your audience, tech. So let's see. How about Selena? Hi, Destiny. Yeah, I was just sharing with our breakout group. And from what I spoke to you yesterday, I was definitely hitting that fear of like, do I even have anything of value to offer? 
a lot of self-doubt. And so thank you for addressing that in, in your talk today, because I realized the roller coaster ride is starting already for me in that yeah. process. That's right. That's right. And so for you, as you're feeling this fear and self-doubt, where do you, where do you, you usually go to? Is it some people stop taking action? Some people actually take too much action. Like where do you typically go? Oh, totally procrastination. Just ah. freeze up like, and then get so technical. Like I've researched 10 different platforms. I'm that person who's like, (laughs) (laughs) all the platforms I've booked, you know, like, I don't know what they're called, like discovery calls or whatever with all the different platforms, talk to them. And I'm like, I just don't know what to do, but it comes down to me, like not feeling confident about what I offer. And so I just get into the minutia and then I don't do anything. Mm, Got it. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I hear this very often from folks inside our Facebook community, from clients or team members, accelerator members. So a couple of things. In my experience, the confidence comes from getting to micro wins and micro results, meaning when you get that lead magnet out there and you spent 200 bucks on ads and now you have 50 people on your list. That creates confidence. It's like, wow, 50 people, even though I've paid to serve my ad in front of them, pattern interrupt their feed, have still said, look, I'm interested in self-love, self-care, wellness topic. Like that will create confidence. And then when you run your paid workshop, even if it's $37, $27, and you have that first group of people in, that creates confidence, period. And What I've seen is that we tend, especially with the internet, and everyone's talking about a million dollars and two million dollars, and we we discount all the micro actions in between, and it's a small numbers that add up. So that is what I have seen break through and cut through the fear, create the confidence more than anything else. You know, we could sit around, do research, we can make assumptions. It's getting the product out there, it's building our list. And even having this first cohort that will just bust everything through workshop or your program. And the work, and the ones you lead the workshop, it's going to be like, Oh my God. Okay. Now I can actually do this and I can launch my course. You know, my private clients from many years back, I literally had to, you know, they, they had the most creative procrastination strategies I've ever seen. You know, we set up video shoots. They try to cancel them. We launched this one program that ended up being huge launch. They try to have me pull back the launch after we release it because they're like, we have to cancel. It's not ready. And it was more than ready. And so, you know, I've been honored and I'm very lucky to witness all that goes on behind the scenes. And once we can make it through the roller coaster, you know, it will be, it will be okay. So I'm going to ask you to commit to your next action item. It could be small. It could be big. What would you commit to taking on big or small, no matter what? Well, I really want to choose and commit to the platform. So my question to you and and, and our community here is I'm thinking about Thinkific, like the best, and you mentioned it as far as my all my research, but I is there a way I can have a video on demand library connected with Thinkific? Because I didn't see that option. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm I'm choosing to be stuck, I guess, is that I 
I want to have a video on demand library, but I just don't see a platform that offers both like a course structure and the video on demand library. But my action step is to choose. I would like to choose the platform and I would like to choose my email uh, platform, which I'm leaning towards MailChimp Great. and then uh, jump on Asana because I, ha- I haven't done it. That's another thing. I'm, I think I'm a little disorganized because I have like three notebooks going like written notebooks. Yep, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> all over the place. So do you have any ideas about video on demand library? So when you, um, when you're saying video on demand, you mean having all the videos recorded and then you want them to be able to buy individual videos or be able to access the entire library or help me understand your definition of that. Um, yes. The video on demand library, I wanted to do, you know, like gentle stretching, a series on gentle stretching, for example, which would be separate from the course. So then they would be able to either go in and rent one of those videos or get membership or subscription to that whole video, but it's different than the course material, like completely different. I see. So they would be opting into different offers essentially. Yeah. 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 So there's like the course. And then if they wanted to access the video library under a different payment plan, say, right. So yes, you can do that with Thinkific, Kajabi. Essentially, they don't, up to a certain degree, they're not limiting the number of courses or offers you have. And so all I hear with that is there's just two different offers. There's a video library offer, and then there's a course offer or like a program offer. So you can absolutely set that up with other platform. You know, we've had folks who have a a video library membership, and then they have like a six-week course or even like a six month training. And that's all within the platform that they choose. And the people yeah. are going. And so they get to sign up for it. And then once they sign up, so let's say you have a student who signs up for both. When they log into Thinkific or Kajabi, they'll just have two courses under their membership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I just think that like with, with the video on demand library under Thinkific, I'm not sure if it, it functions in the way maybe like that it looks nice as a video on demand library. Yeah. I mean, I think it looks, it looks fine. You know, it's not, it's not going to look like a custom built video library um, offer that we've seen, you know, where it is like the whole thing is just really, you know, beautiful and like tuned up, but you know, it looks fine. Same for like Kajabi, like it looks, it will get the job done and Mm. um, it's still professional because it's gated content where they need to have a login and people know to expect it versus going the custom route where it's very expensive, very lengthy. And I do not recommend that route. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Of course. Of course. And all these platforms will evolve and it's only going to get better in my opinion. Okay. So I just want to reiterate your action items for everyone is you're going to choose the course platform, your email provider, and then you're going to get on Asana. Great. And has your vision shifted from day one or has it remained the same? Yes. So from day one, I, my vision, I thought I would kind of replicate my job, which was the Ornish program. Uh, I was a management specialist there, meaning I taught like gentle yoga, meditation and body relaxation to people with, you know, potentially heart disease or factors that could lead to heart disease or so it was an older population. So my my idea at first was like create cohorts, smaller groups of eight to 15 and run them through a course of like lifestyle 
that would bring health. Then when I spoke to you yesterday, I was like, then my vision changed. Like, what should I target women my age, like in their 30s to 40s who are facing self-sabotage, which would be more true to who I am, you know, versus creating and trying to reach people in, in a, like the age group a little bit higher because I just, I was like, oh, maybe that's more authentic. So it has shifted a bit. And I just wanted, that was a big shift because I was like, does anyone want to listen to me? Or, you know, like I haven't done that yet. So that's a big shift. And I'm, I'm just trying to get a little clearer on that. Yeah. So, okay. So this is, this is an important thread that I've been hearing this also come up inside Facebook group and messages is that, so there's short-term vision <laughs> and then there's bigger, like longer-term vision. So three months versus three years. The, the idea that we we're talking about yesterday was a big idea and it definitely sounded very authentic for you. And I think you should definitely pursue it. But your first idea of starting with where you're at, I think that's worth pursuing for now. Because I think that going into that bigger creative vision, it's, it's a very intimate, vulnerable place to go into. And you already know who you're serving now. You've already done it. Starting with where you're now does not, even if we know that there's another concept that includes all of us, doesn't exclude what you can create in the future. But it's more important to get started with what's closest to home now versus it can, we can kind of get lost in the process when it gets too big too fast. You see what I'm saying? Like I wouldn't necessarily disregard your first, your first idea. Cause that is what you've done before. Yeah. Yes. I'm just saying, and like what we talked about yesterday to me was, it was very clear and very empowering. You don't have to choose one or the other. And typically the one that you've done before is closer to home and that you can get it out sooner. Okay. Okay. And start to bring in revenue and test and go through the launch muscle and the momentum. And then you can still be launching that, that second vision that we were talking about. Okay. So start with kind of what I'm familiar with, like yes, yes. kind of scale change or smaller cohorts of people that I, a population I've worked with before. Exactly. Okay. And you're confident in that because you've proven that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so, you know, just to quickly add on that, for example, when I, you know, when I made my shift, I, so I did launch my, to be fair, I did launch a course before I started doing consulting. But what I realized was that I, I had so much client experience that it was very easy for me to build up consulting revenue. And I built a very big business in a very short period of time because I had that instead of saying, Oh, I'm just going to go into audience building and building my own course, even if I had those skill sets. So it's okay to lean on the strengths and the assets we already have. Like it's not. And then we can still be allowed to create and be incredible visionaries out into the world. And so I'm always bringing back to what we can most straightforwardly convert and where we can also monetize because that's a good thing. <laughs> Super helpful. You're welcome. If you're feeling caught up in the details, like which platforms to use for your digital course launch, check out episode 21 for my list of recommendations. Remember, it's about keeping things simple so that you can move forward. Because in today's world, the platforms that we have available to us, the technology and the tools will all work. Do not let analysis paralysis get in the way because I guarantee that whichever platforms you're looking at will support you with your launches. 
It is not a reason to hold you back. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am thrilled you're here. The resources and action items mentioned in this episode can be found at destinyberman.com backslash podcast. To continue the conversation, join me inside my Facebook group, Shift with Success. And if you're loving this podcast, do me a favor and share it with a friend. Until next time, your destiny awaits. Bye for now.